Hello and welcome back to the Holtcast and Aston Villa podcast. As usual, I'm James Rushton. That is Danny Riser over there. We're coming to you a few days after Hull and Aston Villa managed to endure a 2-2 draw where both sides kind of deserve to win. Both sides kind of deserve to lose, but I think a draw is a fair result, Danny. Yeah, probably is a fair result. I mean, because of Villa's second half performance. But uh, first half performance is utterly rubbish. And Hull City, I think uh, something's got to be taken out of the fact that we ended a was it five or six game winning run. It was either six or seven, mate. One straight. It was uh, it was incredible. It was uh, a real um, odd match, I'd say. I think at the start it was almost apocalyptic. You went two goals down. You could have went three goals down. So the first event of the game, um, in terms of goal scoring action, is a, a bit of calamity at the back. It bounces off Tommy Alfick, of course, who's come from Hull, back returned, mm. called from loan to Villa. He's on the right side of Villa's um, centre back pairing. The ball hits him. So Hull have broken into the box. The ball hits him and loops over Kalinic and everyone, and it's going in. And James um, James Chester's there. James Chester is there to save the day. Um, so. Almost within 10 minutes, Hull should have had a goal. Yeah, probably should have done. Uh, Villa's defence again, just like falling silent, you know. Uh, uh, it was lucky that Chester came in and saved the day there. And when we'll come back to it, it's probably that and the goal is probably going to end up giving him, you know, our man of the match. But, you know, it was it was poor. It was poor the fact that the defence ended up having to, having to defend that right away. And it was just like, here we go again. Why can't we start a game without conceding something so soft uh, you, you feel for Villa's defence because they just look shell-shocked all the time every situation they're, they're facing overloads you know they've got three players on one you can't win and I don't know how that situation comes about do they need more support from the midfield do Villa need to sit deeper I don't know what the answer is because whenever Villa face a break they are just rocked completely rocked yeah I mean the way we're set up at the moment, we don't really have midfielders who are going to be able to break down the, op- the opposition. Uh, Conor Hurahan, John McGinn, um, whatever, you, whatever way you want to say it. In fact, Berkley Barnison as well. They're primarily attacking midfielders. I know Bjarnason sits behind the... Well, Bjarnason behind was a winger, wasn't he? When he well, this over. The thing. Exactly, exactly. And it, when, when he does play in that defensive midfield role, he's, he's, he's at most a playmaker. Right? He's a, he's a deep lion playmaker. Um, and Hurahan, same thing with him. I mean, at most he's box to box. Same with John McGinn. At most he's an attacking midfielder that 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 works hard. Glenn Whelan, same thing with him. Um, he likes to sit a little bit deeper. He's 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 much more of a passer of the ball, but he's not he's not tenacious enough really to to break down play. And the way that we're set up is that you know because we we are playing with those three midfielders, we're not really ever going forward. So the onus is never on on us really uh, to, to keep the ball. Uh, so you're kind of in the middle of, of, of two different systems. So we haven't even gotten to Hall's first goal, of course, scored by Jared Bowen, who is in one hell of a run of form at the moment. The Hall get a long ball from the back. I think it's Jordi DeWeese who would uh, play it from the back, a long ball straight to Chris Martin, who holds it up. Um, Villa have got three players on two defenders at the moment. They're facing a complete and utter overload. So Neil Taylor, unfortunately for him, he makes probably the wrong decision and he goes to help James Chester. James Chester, who may I add, is facing two on one 
Um, but that leaves Jared Bowen open. Jared Bowen is a player you can't leave open. So I do feel for Taylor there. He's had to be pulled in to help his captain, help his centre-back face the ball. They don't do a good enough job of clearing it. It falls to Jared Bowen. And I think the criminal here is the keeper, who I have no idea how he doesn't save this. He, he dives the right way. He connects with it, but it goes through him. Mm, that doesn't look like a World Cup finalist, does it? You know, no, it uh, doesn't. It doesn't look like goalkeeping at all, mate. It really doesn't. I think that's a shocking, shocking error. And a lot of people will look at him and say, you know, you can't blame him for that. Being being beat by the most predictable situation at your near post is bad. Yeah, that was bad. Like, that was the keeper's fault. That was the keeper's fault. Like you can bang, like a striker can bang it from close range, from an angle, and it go in at your near post. That happens. That's because the ball's been hit at you that hard. Jared Bowen hit the ball from distance. And it was falling to him. It was predictable. And yeah, was the keeper tough. didn't get it. Like I'm glad that's been registered as an error on him in the stats listings. So that, you know, people have picked up on it. But I just, for the life of me, cannot get over how he didn't get that. Shocking. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. I'd have to agree with that. That's that's all Kalinich is. As you say, like, you know, he got to it. Um, shouldn't have really let that go. I don't know. I think he's a little bit panicky. And I don't think... I don't. I don't think you can blame the keeper when when you've got that sort of defense in front of you, which is which is basically just letting everything come through. Um, yeah, I think a bit more team cohesion there. Um, if the defense drop it, I think the goalkeeper needs to step up. And when the goalkeeper drops it, maybe this uh, switch the situation around a bit. I don't know. So they've both got to back each other. And I, I think mean, he, Kalinic could have done his defense a favor by saving that. He could have done. He could have done. Um, yeah. I mean, but uh, you know, before we go on to the second goal. You know, there was there was there was the, that that one in particular was also a situation where the defense could have helped him. Um, but I think the first one, you know, as you say, you've got three 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 hole forwards out wide there, and it's so easy, it's so predictable. You know, so nobody's gone over to to press the defender who's gonna who's gonna hoof it up. And at the same time, no one's tracking the three players over there. This is where you know your defensive midfielder has to do a little bit of work. You know, if you are playing a system where you've got somebody dropping deep to help the defense, then drop deep to help the defense. Uh, you can't have four guys on... In fact, you can't have the, the two versus three situation going on over there. Neil Taylor, as you say, comes inside, um, leaving somebody completely wide open on the on the right-hand side. Uh, yeah, Conor Huran almost starts tracking back and then decides to, to just leave it. You know, it could have it could have, could have helped to add a little bit of pressure to hold there, but, you know, it's, it's it. Strength in numbers, isn't it? And that's what, that's what Villa need to do more of. I think if Kalinic saves that, Villa get a let off. But anyway, that situation goes, there's two on one. Yeah, you know, exactly. They're, they're going to have a shooting opportunity. And I think they took the worst opportunity, which is a shot from outside of the box. Exactly. If Neil Taylor didn't cover Chester, Chester's just done. They just play the one-two around him. In, a, in another he's world, in another world, Jared Bowen plays that onto the right-hand side, the right-sided attacker, and he's straight through on goal anyway. So, yeah. I think that's a, it's a, such a soft goal. That is, and I really don't think Villa Villa did deserve it. There is no question. But I think if that's their chance, if that's their goal, that's some, that's something you can stop. That is a stop. That's I look at that, and that's you know, regardless of it all, that's a shot they can stop. Uh, yeah. a bit disappointing defensively, goalkeeping. But I've um, I can't I can't go and blame Neil Taylor for it on that one because you know what's he meant to do? Is he, does he stay with Bowen or does he leave Chester? Either no, way. They're done. A hundred percent. That's that's a confidence goal. That's a that's a. If you're on a bad run of form, something like that happens. If Villa were flying high and winning games, uh, you know, on the bounce, uh, I wouldn't have expected that to go in. 
but it is a confidence goal. That that is another one of those. Here we go. Teams just not playing as it should be. Errors. There was a. We talk about a lack of defensive cohesion, but Villa's midfield is is quite odd in that they don't really have a defensive midfielder. It's Bjarnason, Hurhan, and McGinn playing almost like a flat three. Yep, they're almost trying to play like a defensive way. That's the thing. Yeah, so you've got Bjarnason who's on the left, still attacking, Hurahan in the middle with a bit more defensive emphasis, and McGinn on the on the right. You've you've still got you've got three midfield. It's not like you've got a Whelan sitting behind or Bjarnason sitting behind. They're all kind of expected to attack and dominate, which is a bit hard. They didn't, you know, Bjarnason, he really had a mare of a game. I think passing wise, you're looking at fifty six percent passes completion. Um, which for a midfielder is uh, is rough, uh, to say the least. And uh, Hurrahan and uh, Bjarnason both got run over, uh, pressed out the game. And uh, it's just one of those where you see Villa just struggling, struggling completely. And they, they were bossed off the pitch in that first half. And that's what leads to not just one goal, mate, but two goals because if Andrew gets one, gets one after. And he's Kalinic's defence, this is one where I'm going to pull it on them because... Oh, man. They're good. Kalinic was running all over the place, right? He wasn't set at all. He wasn't confident. But he, he can't get anywhere if Neil Taylor's standing in front of him. Neil Taylor blocked him off, man. He blocked him off. He did the attacker's work for him. That was prime Emil Heskey um, get in the way of the defender work that. That was awful. Absolutely awful. I don't know what... I've got no idea what Neil Taylor's trying to do over there. Is he trying to play the hero by jumping on the goal line? I mean, fair play if he is, but it should is that one? Is Kalinic maybe should be shouting at him or commanding a box because it doesn't look like he says a word during that. I've got it. I've got the highlights open over here, right? So first of all, right, let's you know, let's start from the start over here, right? First of all, Elphick and 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 Alan Hutton are both dragged completely out of position by the attackers. Uh, basically sent running, easy crossing. Neil Taylor is running to his... Well, it appears to be sort of... I don't know where he's running. He his movement's quite odd, isn't it, in this? Because he, he kind of stutter steps all over the place. But Neil Taylor's running right into him. His running trajectory is right into Kalinic. No, you can, you can see what Kalinic is doing there. You know, he's, he's trying to cover for the two attackers on the short pass, Right. There's a short pass there. There's two attackers there. Kalinic is in that position to make sure that doesn't happen. Instead, what happens is the cross goes into the back post. Neil Taylor's bumped into him because he's, he's he's running directly into Kalinic and he's got nowhere to go. He's got nowhere to go. But then the two defenders who are in front of that shot do an awful job of blocking it too. So it's an absolute comedy of errors from all of them. Is that one, uh, maybe Neil Taylor, if he got a bit more of a foot on that one, it saves Villa. Bows his keeper out. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, get your body in the get your body in the way. Get your body on the way. I don't know why you're why you're sticking out one miserly foot. You know, hoping to get on the end of it. Get your body in the way. He's got plenty of time to to block that shot off. Plenty of it. But you so know, more so than uh, defensive positioning and anything else. Maybe it's a team a team spirit thing because if you're looking at the first goal, Kalinic should have dug his defense out. But if you're looking at the second goal, the defense should have dug Kalinic out. Oh, I need to work for each other. Well, I think, I think personally, Neil Taylor's pretty much done here. I mean, I've got, I, I like, I've, I've, I've always liked the guy, um, and he's, and he's done some amazing things during his career. You know, especially when you look at Wales on like the international stage, and 
and obviously some of the work that he did at Swansea. But I think at this point, he's just he's just not looking. He's looking a shadow of the player he once was. Um, and you know he's he's been he's been at the heart of so many defensive errors this season for Villa. Uh, and I'm not I'm not putting the blame on him alone. I think we've got fundamental issues at fullback. But if we don't bring in another left back in January, it's going to be it's going to be pretty terrible business on on Villa's behalf. And I don't I just don't see Neil Taylor holding up a spot there anymore. So Villa actually managed to get a goal before halftime. Would you believe it? And um, so before we get into that, the atmosphere at Villa Park, mate, it was bad. Oh, it, I, completely like apocalypse. Like it was, oh. it was awful. The people were done. There was a guy in front of me, like five rows in front of me, waving his season ticket. Oh, I texted you, didn't I? I texted you. I, I mean, I, I live in Manchester, yeah. so I didn't. You know, I don't. I can't. I couldn't watch the match anyway. And I was just like, I'm logging off Twitter. This is toxic. I'm, you know, like everything's toxic. Everything that's going through my mind, I was angry. Um, but you couldn't get away from it, could you? No, you just have to laugh. You kind of just take it in your stride. And I work with a few Hull City fans and they were like laughing about it, thinking, come on, guys. Where are you in the league? You know, you don't you don't deserve to beat any team if you don't you're not gonna stand up for it. But you gotta back your team and I, there's parts that I agree. And Dean Smith agreed as well, like, you know, there's frustration in the whole end and I don't blame him because I was one of them once. But you know, there does need to be a two way partnership. Sometimes the fans need to provide that platform, but other times the players have to give something deserving of praise. So it does work two ways. But the atmosphere in general at Hull, it got better. But before the first half, before James Chester's goal, which we'll get onto, it was bad. But it should be. You can't be getting battered every single week and expect your fans to keep supporting you. You know, it's one thing. It's one thing to get, you know, to, to be losing games slenderly and being like, okay, right, we're in a negative situation. Let's dig this out. But James, when Dean Smith came in, we were winning games, winning games and looking almost unbeatable. Why is this same team getting battered, getting thrashed? That's what you're thinking at 2-0. We've just lost 3-0 to Swansea. We've just lost 3-0 again to... Um, who was it straight after? Who did we get battered 3-0 by? Wigan. Wigan, right. 3-0 by Wigan. And then, and then you know, you're, you're, you're down 2-0 uh, nearly at half-time. And you're, you're getting thrashed every single week. And you've got no excuse to. No excuse to. Not when you are one of the highest paid teams in the league. At all. I think it's quite clear that there's a culture change at Villa. That's happened halfway through a season where the CEO, the head coach, the director of football, everyone involved in the decision-making at the club has kind of rejected the notion that we're going to pay massive money for players who aren't who are inconsistent. And we, you know, we're going to recruit younger. We're going to promote from the academy. And that probably means, Danny, that most of the players on that pitch are gone and they know they're gone. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And let... Let's not say that they don't care about the club because they do. But if you have an inkling that no matter how good you try to perform, that your job's gone at the end of the season. I think no matter how you feel, performances are going to suffer. Yeah, or you work hard for them and try to get back up there like Alan Hutton did last season. Yeah, He won, he won you himself know, a contract. Any situation, Alan Hutton could literally turn into Cafu right now. And because of the situation at the club, there is no single way that they'll offer him a contract. There is no way. No, but that's what we said last season. That's what we said last... Look, but to, to be fair, to be fair, Alan Hutton is a trier, right? 
as much as he makes defensive errors, I don't look at him and feel embarrassed because he does he does put effort in. You know, he makes errors like a lot of players in the championship do because it is a lower level than the Premier League. But he puts in he puts in the work, he puts in the effort, he tries to win himself a contract. Unlike, say, and I don't want to, you know what? No, you know what? I'm not going to name any names. I'm not going to name any names. I just think that there are there are players there who, you know, knowing that their time is up, don't want to work for it, don't want to, you know, uh, don't want to win themselves a contract, don't want to, you know, you gotta you gotta have a little bit of a fire up your ass, man. Like if you want to be successful, if you want to do well in the Premier League, if you want to do well in the Championship, you gotta have a little bit of a fire up your ass, and you can't be thinking like that. It's just positivity, isn't it? That's it. Yeah, it's, I just uh, I find it hard to see how Villa could inject positivity into most of these players who are gone. I th- you know, I think like, I don't think they're performing badly, but you know, you look at Adoma, uh, Bjarnason, maybe even Hoverhan. Yeah, but Adoma, Adoma could have won himself another contract if he started performing like he did last season. Yeah. It's, it's situations like that where I it's don't know how it's them. solved. Yeah. You, I don't the, know how it's solved. No, but it's a cycle, isn't it? It comes down to you at the end of the day. It comes down to you as the individual. It doesn't come down to the club whether or not you get a contract. Not not nine times out of ten. It comes down to yourself as the individual. You put in performances, you give the fans what they want, and you keep the fans happy, right? There's no way the Villa fans are going to let you leave. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If you've got the fans on your side, you show that you're working hard, and you put in performance. Look, Ber- Berkia Bjarnason, for example, he would have been off in the summer, wouldn't he? But the performances he was Absolutely. putting in last season, you know, when he was barely getting any opportunities, he came in and he uh, and he worked hard. Now, this is no reflection on how he's done this season. He's, he's come back from injury and not quite done so well. But last season, definitely the epitome of it. And he ended up staying. He worked hard. He said that I'm not going to move. He's not going to. I'm not going to move to Italy. I'm going to work hard for my place. I'm going to. I'm going to do well here. And you know, this is this is this is how it works. It comes down to you as the individual. It comes down to you as the player. Tammy, look at Tammy Abraham, James. Look at Tammy Abraham. He's playing in one of the, you know, least informed sides in the championship. Yeah, he's still banging in goals because he knows that at the end of the season, if even if he's not a Villa, because he won't be, he'll go back to Chelsea. And clubs are going to have their eye on him. And he's going to win himself a better contract somewhere on better money. You know, it's just, it's just, it's, it's, it's not a catch 22 at all. It just makes sense. You play better, you get rewarded. It's a frustrating situation for all involved, I guess, because if it doesn't get better, then Villa season's over. Don't have to worry about relegation. And you can probably sneak the playoffs. But if there is a situation where the team we need to put out every week isn't knowingly isn't going to be here at the end of the season, because we're not going to pay 30-year-olds anymore, man. That's not going to happen. There is no way that happens anymore. With Dean Smith as head coach, Suso as the director of football, and Perslow as CEO, they have said multiple times, look, the overheads of the club are $5 I think a month has to be injected. Right. That's ridiculous. That's, that should disgust you. I think we'll come back to this. I know that. I know we've got we've got so. I think a lot of a lot of what we're going to be talking about because there's been so much news on Monday. I mean, this today, really. That you know, I think I think we're going to go in depth on this. But um, what do you reckon, James? To what? Let's get back into this when we when we discuss um when we discuss Belassi. 
Okay, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. So back to Villa versus Hall. So Villa did score a goal. Would you believe it? Um, Connor Horahan has a free kick. It was a soft free kick. Tammy Abraham comes to get gets a push in the chest or face. Uh, he doesn't go down, but he turns away. Villa get a free kick. Connor Horahan, perfect. You know this is what he's there for. Puts it in. Now Villa are lucky here because minutes before Jordi Davies, Hall's one of Hall's better centre backs, who stepped up in the absence of Tommy Alfick. He has to go off. He's injured. Just before Villa take this set piece, he goes off. On comes young Robbie McKenzie, who has to mark James Chester. The first thing he has to do is uh, pick up where Dewey's left off and march into that set piece and defend it. He can't. James Chester runs him over. It's a goal. Blame um, Blame Hull City's scouting team for telling him that he should be on Chester because he's the most dangerous guy <laughs> Villa have in the box. Hands down. That's unfortunate. Yeah, they should have known that. You know, there's no. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? He doesn't have a chance, mate. I've just watched it. There, there is no way that is not going in. No, he's he's he's, he's steamrolled him, man. He's walked over him. It is a real scrappy set piece. Horahan's ball in is a uh, worthy of a man of the match award. If he wasn't didn't struggle a bit, I think Phyllis and Ty midfield struggled. But man, that ball in was uh, peach perfect, and it finds James James Chester nods it in and. It's less so about the shot, the header, more so about how he steamed rolled McKenzie. Yeah, he's blanketed him. He's absolutely blanketed him, hasn't he? And uh, McKenzie has no choice but to get down on one knee, essentially. Um, yeah, he's done. Yeah. So that that was that was good. It was well guided. Uh, kept the kept the header low, past the keeper. Absolutely no chance, essentially. Right in between the keeper and the defender, in fact. So um, perfect, perfect header. So Villa went into the break 2-1 down. I think a lot more. It was a bit more positive knowing that Chester had scored so quickly, out of nowhere, so quickly. Um, it took a few more minutes for Villa to score. Tammy Abraham scored the equalising goal 2-2 on the 64th minute. And God, this was an agonising one. I think Hutton manages to play the ball in somehow. Abraham finds it. He's unmarked in the middle of the box, but his first shot just hits McKenzie, the defender, and bounces off him. Abraham somehow gets it, takes a second shot, and it just it just falls in into the net. And uh, very grateful for that, mate. Very grateful to have a striker who can do, who can carry on with the confidence to do that because most strikers kind of once that first shot's missed, it's over. But Abraham went up for the second ball and got it. Yeah, head in their hands. Oh gosh, what a miss! Sorry, lads. You know, what I mean, that's what. Don't blame him for it, but yeah. No, but yeah, Danny I, Abraham's I, got a hunger. Done the right thing there. Defenders on the floor. The defender ain't going to get that. Step over him. <laughs> do, do, do you know what I mean? So it was. It was, it was pretty. Um, it was pretty simple once it bounced off the defender. I think. I think you know you do have to have a little bit of athleticism. You know, Tammy Abraham with that with that slender frame that he has was was just able to do that. You get a bigger guy in there, or somebody who's a little bit, little bit shorter and stubbier. Uh, they might, they might not get that. But uh, I think Tammy Abraham's done well there. It's one of his, one of his best attributes. That um, I think that 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 slenderness that he has just just makes it easier for him to get on the, get on the end of things. So another kind of highlight of the match, I think, was uh, Andre Green came back from loan from Portsmouth. Mm-hmm. Hadn't appeared too much. Um, still com- more of a rehab loan, I think, just to get a few match minutes, some action in him. He scored a bunch of goals in the cup. Uh, one was uh, circulated quite widely on social media, a last-minute effort. He was playing as a number 10, like a second striker through the middle, and he scored a good goal for Portsmouth. But he was recalled um, by Dean Smith and Aston Villa, and uh, actually come on as a substitute against Hull. 
He wasn't fantastic, mind-blowing, but he was something. He was something different, a bit of energy, a bit of work rate that was needed. Uh, maybe not got the tricks of Balassi, but he seems good enough. He seems like he's got got a part to play. Do you know what? Sod the tricks, man. Sod the tricks. All I want to see is hunger. I want to see you try and get past the defender. That's what, something that Sundry, something that Andre Green is able to do generally. And Balassi struggled with it. It's been a lot of this, do a couple of tricks, stop. And, uh, you know, then basically slow the game down. I think I think Andre Green probably suits Dean Smith just a little bit better. Uh, interesting in playing in number 10 as well. Uh, no, he didn't play that for uh, Villa. It was Portsmouth. Right, okay, okay fair it, enough. It, it's, it's something I'll, that I'll, I'll... But it'll help him. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a different role. And, you know, do Villa go there? I'm not sure they do. But he's got a part to play on the wing. And he had a really good chance. Uh, he was played in beautifully by Jonathan Codger. But... Uh, he he didn't have his shooting boots on on it. Always scored it completely. I think it just hit his feet and bounced off. But he he's making the chances and he's gelling well. And it just looked to be that bit of a spark. You know when Al Ghazi comes on, Al Ghazi always looks better as a substitute most of the time because he's kind of still gelling with the team a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that. He comes on and he looks good. He looks like a spark, and that's exactly what they needed. I think Villa's wingers were lacking. Adoma kind of just in a, kind of a turgid patch of form. And Balassi, um, more on him later, I think. More on him <laughs> later. But Villa 2, Hall 2. I think Villa could have kind of won, went on to win the match, but they're still lucky not to lose. It's a really weird one. I want to hear your match ball. Um, I'm probably going to give it to James Chester. I know the defence was pretty much all over the place, but most of them weren't directly his fault. Uh, he did well to save Villa earlier on in the match. And I also thought it was uh, just a fantastic finish when he when he scored. And that really, if we hadn't scored that before half-time, you could forget it. Yeah, excellent choice. I think uh, I'm going to go for John McGinn. Okay. Because he displays everything we need in midfield. He never gives up. Um, he's like a supercharged Gary Gardner. The same kind of qualities <laughs> you saw he had, but he was, a, he was very slow. Um, I think John McGinn is exactly what we need. Um, seems to really identify with the club and its fans. And... Uh, he always puts in a good, you know, even on his worst day, it seems like he's trying to do everything he can. I'm not saying no one else is, isn't, but he looks like it. It looks like he is. It's a lot, almost like Alan Hutton. It looks a lot better than it actually is. And I like to see that from John again, because he does try, does play a ball in, and he always wants us to, you know, press forward and play positively and probably doesn't make all the, the good decisions all the time, runs into a brick wall most of the time, um, you know, full, full speed ahead. But, He's growing. He's really grown on me. Really has, and not like he had, he had to at all. He looks fantastic. And oh, yeah, even when we're doing poorly, he's something special. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He's been he's been good for a while, and yeah, I think I can pretty much guess that he's probably your favorite player at the club as well, isn't he? Uh, close to yeah. If if yeah. not the, my favorite player, yeah, he's definitely up there. But uh, we got to come together and decide on a, a joint player for the pods match ball. I think um, one guy who's in with a shout for it is Conor Huran just for the fact that you know he put in a good delivery and also it was good to see him getting quite rough and ready with the whole midfielders in the second half but I think the smart decision over here goes to Tammy Abraham because of the finish uh, especially at a time when we really needed a goal yeah I'd, I'd agree that Huran's in, in with a shout because look no one really played that well no one but it was Horahan's actions that did spark Villa to life, you know, squaring up to Henriksen when they had the spat over the drop ball situation. 
I no idea what happened there. It was a drop ball and Villa kicked it to their player, which is what happens. But uh, Hull didn't like that. And uh, their captain grabbed at Horahan. Horan grabbed at him. And uh, it seemed to be kind of the... Pa- it was a reminder of the passion and Horahan kind of displayed that. So if we're going to credit McGinn with that, we should also credit Horahan with that kind of passion and the way he plays. It doesn't always work for him. But you can clearly see that he's here to win and here to play for Villa. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Tammy Abraham has to get it, mate. Um, does the same things, as we mentioned, the passion. But it's up front. You know, the guy's running everywhere and doing everything he can and demanding Villa work hard. He, he has high standards, really high standards. And he he's the best example of that. So yeah, I'll go for Tammy Abraham as well. Yeah, Tammy it is then. Tammy it is. Well, in other news, it turned out today, we've already mentioned Andre Green coming back, but to make way for that, Yannick Balassi has uh, activated his uh, exit clause in his loan contract. So, of course, he'll be moving back to Everton. What do you... This is a lot to take from this because let's get one thing straight. Villa, I've, I've heard that Villa, if Villa broke the, the contract, the loan contract, that would have been stuck with his wage. Oh, right. Okay. Really? That's just what I've seen. I've seen that a lot. Mostly from in the nose, but also Alan Nixon of the Sun said something along those lines that there would be a hefty sum to pay, if not his wages, so for the rest of the month for the rest of the season. This is funny, isn't it? Because uh, reportedly, Yannick Balassi was furious with uh, with the idea presented that Villa had deactivated his clause, which which just goes to show that it wasn't beyond the realms of. Of uh, of reality, that Villa could have deactivated his clause because he's. I mean, he's for for what he's earning and for what he's on. He really hasn't been, you know, any better than, you know, most of the wingers on a third of his wages in the championship. Really, yeah. I think we have to we have to be real about Balassi's situation as well. Is that Villa didn't pay. Villa didn't go. You're worth seventy grand. That was Everton. That's Premier League inflation for you. We also have to be real with the fact that the bloke is he's coming off a horrific career, possibly career-ending injury that he's come back from, and he he was rushed back. You know, this to me is nothing more than a rehab loan. And look, the guy can clearly cut it at a Premier League level. He's done that. He's not cutting it, Everton. He's not 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 now. But he has done that. He played for he's played for Palace. And he's played for Everton. He had an injury. It's took him out. He's gonna. He wants to come back and fight for his place at his club. His club is Everton, mate, not Villa. Mate, he's he's not. This is this is the this is the problem, though, isn't it? This is this is the thing. You know, you can say what you want about Premier League, right? But fight in the Championship, mate. If you wanna if you wanna come back to Everton, you wanna get yourself a place in the team at Everton. You know, do what Adoma did last season. Score 15, 20 goals in the championship. You know, work your, you know, work yourself out. Do you know what I mean? You're going to go back over to Everton now and you're going to get what? A few, a few 10, 20 minute substitute appearances. How are you going to get back into the team like that? So it's going to, it's going to be rough for him, mate. It's the right decision for everyone. I think. I think it helps us. It helps us because that's 70 grand, which can get reallocated elsewhere. I'm not, I'm not saying I don't respect Yannick Balassi. Uh, as you say, he's come back. Of, of of a terrible injury but say what you like for what we're giving in that loan deal we are not receiving the same amount we're just we're just not getting it out of him i think 
Blassie and Everton are completely blameless in this because it is Villa who decided to pay that go for that loan deal. And, like, yeah, true. Yeah, and to be fair, it's, it's, it's it's a ridiculous scenario. You're paying Yannick Blassie is a six, seven out of ten player. He's a good player, but the Premier League demands that these players get seventy grand because these players are in the only players you can bloody sign in the Premier League. If you're Everton, Watford, Crystal, if you're in that kind of bracket, you're going to have to pay big sums for these kind of mid-level performers. He's, he's not going to cut it there. He's just... And I, I, I hope he does. I honestly hope he does. But he, I can't see why Everton are going to let him break through the team ahead of, you know, a youngster, a younger winger. I, you know, he's, I, it wouldn't be beyond the realms of belief that he ends up in China in a couple of seasons, somewhere like that. You know, Yannick Blassi. And I I get that he was injured. I get it. But if he's not the player that he was, then the Premier League is not where he's going to regain that. Unfortunately, that's how I feel. Well, uh, I think at the end of the day, we uh, wish him good luck. Fair fair play to him. If I mean, if it is tr- true that he counted his loan deal, that saves Villa paying any money. I wonder if Dean Smith's had a word with him. I genuinely do. I wonder if... Dean has said to him, look, you know, we've got, we're going to bring back Andre Green. We need to blood in some of these youngsters. Not saying you're not going to get an opportunity, but it might be better for you to to head back. And I, I wonder and if they've had that conversation. Thinking realistically about it as well, if Villa are moving in this direction, which has kind of put out a few first team players, you know, lowered a bit of spirits around the camp. They're not going to buy Yannick Bellassi for twenty million at the end of the season. They're not going to do it. No, of course not. Of course not. So yeah, if he's... you're Bellassi, why are you why are you going to stay here? Because your only market really would be low, like bottom tier Premier League teams, and I'm talking nineteenth and twentieth place, or alone at a Championship club next season. Which lower, you know, lower in the table Premier League side is struggling from, you know, to, to get stay in the league uh, and trying to get away from relegation is going to sign Yannick Bellassi, who just hasn't performed in the championship. You need, you need hungry players. And I'm not saying Bellassi's not hungry because he may well be, he may well be hungry because he's, because he's gone back to the Premier League to try and fight for his place. It's fair. Uh, it's fair play to him, but you, you, you're not going to be looking at, at somebody who's underperformed in the, in the division below. Uh, to go there, there's, there's every chance he gets loaned out to a Premier League club as well. That's what I'm saying. I'm there's sure. every chance that happens. That's what I'm saying, though. I'm not sure. I'm not sure he will. I'm not sure he will. You're like Burnley, Huddersfield. Oh, what's he going to do at Burnley though? He didn't put balls into the box, is he? He's not much of a crosser. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think at the end of the day, I, I personally wish him the best of luck. I think we did have fun at the start. Probably not as consistent as we wanted. And definitely not works worth seventy grand, but that's not on him. That's on stupid contract. And and it's also a shame that Steve Bruce made him start his season so late. You know, keeping him on the bench, you know, every single every single game. Um, I mean, I'm I'm not sure the extent of his injury, but the fact he was able to make it at the bench suggested to me that he was match ready to some degree. Um, we just threw it was him a out crucial totally. injury, which uh, crucial injury. If you're playing in the nineties, that's you're you're done. Oh, really? Your career's done. Yeah. yeah, probably the worst injury he could have asked for. There's not much more, you know, apart from a total leg break like Luton Illis. 
there's not much more <laughs> that could have been worse. But uh, fair, list, to come back and play at championship level is an achievement in itself. So let's see where he goes. Yeah, let's see. Let's see. Uh, I th- I think for me, I think he, what he needs to really do is go to a league where you know it's not strenuous. I mean, if he wants to try it out in the Premier League, fair play to him. But if I was him, I think there's opportunities. I mean, I, I don't think Everton are going to offer him another seventy k seventy k contract. Um, if I was him, I'd be looking at leagues which don't rely so heavily on on pace. Well, you need a stupid team like AC Milan to come in and pay him one hundred and twenty grand. Oh, it'd work in Syria. Uh, yeah. I think it'd work in Syria, you know. Yeah, because you get some stupid club will just go. Yeah, there we go, done. And he won't. He'll play two games from Fabio Cagliarella's Cagliarella is having a second win <laughs> in Syria. He's the highest scoring Italian, I believe, at the moment. So you know, at thirty five. Velassi can cut it. It's just not going to be here. I think. Well, of course, it's not going to be here. But we'll see what happens. We'll see where he goes. But Andre Green, of course, comes in. He, as we said, he performed fairly well. So I think that's the way Villa are moving forward. It opens up a loan spot for Villa. They're in the loan market for players. Tyrone Mings is one of them. Charlie Colcutt. Let's see what happens. Hmm? Colcutt as well, Charlie Colcutt. Yeah, Colcutt, yeah. So we've got a few uh, a few targets. So uh, we'll see what happens there. But f- first up, mate, I think Villa aren't going to make any signings before this weekend when uh, Paul Lambert comes back to town with his Ipswich side. Yeah, his Ipswich size, which, which has a new star player in James Collins, a heroic James Collins who put in a bit of a performance against Rotherham a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so it's the return of uh, of Paul Lambert and James Collins. But I would like to just, you know, give a standing ovation to Paul Lambert for being able to make the most Paul Lambert signings in history at, whilst at Ipswich as well. Um, yeah, he's a he's a, he's a ridiculous manager. I think in this I'm not slotting Ipswich, but or Stoke. But the bloke seems to choose the worst jobs possible. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what it is with him. He's he's almost taking all the jobs that nobody else wants. I mean, fair play to him to some degree. But yeah, you know, he's not. I don't. I can't see how he achieves more than than Mick McCarthy did at Ipswich. I don't know if it's because he's he's so you know well endeared by that area, um, and obviously did so well with Norwich. Maybe that reputation is something that that comes in, and Ipswich fans, you know, may well be excited that he manages to do some sort of a job with them in the same way that he did with Norwich. But uh, at the end of the day, Ipswich are probably on, you know, probably have way less money than than Norwich did at that time. Um, oh yeah, Ipswich are on nothing. You look at the players, man. It's like a Brentford budget, but cut that in half and then cut it in half again. But this is the thing, like already some of the signings he's making are sort of questionable. Like you've got Will Keane, who's 26 and never really had his career going. You know, before he signed him, I'm not sure what the case is now because I think he has scored for Ipswich since because he scored. He did score. He did score against. Um, did score against Rotherham. Fair play to him. Uh, but before that, especially you know, he's, he's he moved to more clubs or had less got. Yeah, had more clubs than he's than he'd scored goals in his in his league career. Uh, James Collins, I think maybe he maybe he comes good, but remember Villa didn't end up signing him, and Villa were desperate for a centre back. Um, and he's also signed Simon Dawkins, who he signed on loan for Aston Villa a few seasons ago, and gave four appearances to. It's just really weird, really really weird signings. Some of them. I think James Collins stands to me as a really good signing because in these two matches so far. It's not a lot of sample size to go off. Looks 
every inch the type of player an Ipswich needs. Someone to really just grab the team by the scruff of the neck and demand better. Oh, yeah, they're not. And he has done that. They're not playing the ball out from the back. No. I think long term, they're going to look to do that. I think this season, they really, really, really want to stay up. And it's not impossible. It really isn't impossible. They've got Villa in the worst form of their lives. Then they go to Sheffield Wednesday and they've, they've beat Rotherham. I think you're gonna, they're going to be looking at this with a bit of positivity. There is a reason. There is more reason to be positive now than there probably was. James Collins looks good. Will Keane actually scored for him, which is uh, unbelievable. And if you ignore Simon Dawkins and anyone else in the team, then maybe there's something slight things to be positive about. And also Lambert does well at Villa. Yeah, yeah, there is that. And he isn't the worst manager. He's just a very unlucky manager in some senses. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I think Ipswich is probably the perfect club for him, but not in this situation. They're tanking. They're completely tanking. Um, they have don't really have much of a playing style. But uh, it seems to be those situations where it all gets a bit desperate and they can probably build something from that and push forward. It's going to take a lot and they're going to have to win a few games and they haven't done much of that this season. This is the game where if Villa start letting in goals, it's the most embarrassing. Because Ipswich just scored 22 in their 28 games this season. That's that's woeful. That's woeful. You know, you should you know, you you, you look at you, you look at fans go into these games and thinking, you know, there's basically less than a what is it? Yeah. I'm trying to I'm trying to I'm trying to look at I'm trying to look at this in a percentage way. Put it this way, mate. Tammy Abraham has 17 goals and Ipswich have 22. Yeah, well, there you go. That does it for you, doesn't it? You can look at it as 27-35. Freddie Sears is uh, Ipswich's top scorer with five goals. That's the same amount as James Chester. Well, there you go, mate. There you go. I, I think Ipswich's problem is that someone needs to buy him a striker, mate. That's it. Someone really needs to buy him a striker. Ah, definition of striker is a bit stretched there. They need someone who's going to actually score. A Lewis Graben, for instance. Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. They 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 do need somebody who's gonna just do the job, basically. You know who's gonna score goals for them. I look at that team and I do worry for them. That that needs investment, mate. That needs massive, massive investment. And uh, I I certainly wouldn't have took that job if I was Paul Lambert. But here we are, and he's coming to Villa Park. How do you see it going? They're gonna look for the counter like Hall did. Is this gonna end like Hall did? Unless they. Do the typical championship thing of signing Jermaine Beckford to save their season. <laughs> I can't see it happening. I can't see them scoring even against this Villa defense. And bear in mind, right? I've been, if you look at my picks over the last few weeks, I've been picking negative. I've been picking negatively. I think this is a 1 0 win for Villa. I think, yeah, Villa do struggle. When teams sit back, Villa really do struggle to break them down. They don't have... They don't have it in them just to do, you know, commit to patience. I think... um, And that that, that comes with the territory. If you're getting nervous and you're desperate for a win, you're going to find it very hard to be patient. I think patience is what you need here. With a team like Ipswich who, you know, bless them, they're going to have to sit back, mate. They are really struggling. There is nothing they can do. Yeah, totally, totally. 
And I feel for them, man, because they come out and support their team. And I think Villa have had issues with it in the past in terms of cheering, you know, horrible tackles and stuff. But let that 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 goes, you know, that's not a part of this discussion. You look at that team and people are paying to watch that tank. But does the Paul Lambert uh, card come in? Because Lambert loves playing against Villa. He's got something to prove, hasn't he? He always has something to prove. I don't know what it is with him, but it's for some reason it's always Villa that he wants to beat. Always seems to have something with the uh, with Villa, and he d- he does well against us. Does well against us, to be fair to him. So, uh, you know, not sh- not quite sure, man. I'm, on- I'm I wonder, I wonder how uh, how he gets his uh, side to line up against us. I wonder if he tries to push them a little bit further than uh, than than he than he usually does. Um, yeah, always, always seems to be one of the first to make a comment on Villa, uh, and also just I think he's just an ambitious man, Paul Lambert. To be fair to him, I know, I know, saying you know, I say that despite the fact he was probably our most defensive manager that we that we've had in the last decade, and that you know I include Steve Bruce in there as well. But um, he seems to be ambitious. Uh, fair play to him. He wants, he's got something to prove. Always seems like he has something to prove. Might not be the the worst decision Ipswich have ever made to to hire him. But do you think he's he comes in as a factor? Yeah, of course, because he's always going to feel kind of hard done by for Villa, by Villa, and no matter how you feel about him or his time at at our club, he's clearly hurt by it in some way. So he's always going to look at that and think people are always going to judge me by Aston Villa and whether the failure is on my part or on those who were in charge of me. That's up to, for them to decide. But I'm going to prove a point and I'm going to beat him with every club I can. And you know, fair play to him. If that's if that's what gets him through, then that's what gets him through. But he clearly did not have a good time at Villa. And whatever you think about him, the way his face looked after managing Villa was not good. Like no. he was clear. You no, know, the weight he put on and the bags under his eyes. You know, I'm not judging a man on his appearance, but he looked clinically depressed. They left him in that role way too long. <laughs> I'm taking it back. I'm taking it back a long time, but they left him in that role way too long. Yeah, it clearly, that, uh, it clearly it wasn't working. You know, two seasons in. Yeah, he probably needed a bit more of a total rehaul the first time around. But there, there wasn't much in terms of transfer backing, was there? We were buying championship players. There's that one season. I don't know how we survived. I really don't know. That's the season we should have went down. The first season when we had Westwood and the lot. I think phew, we should have dropped then. Really should have dropped then. West uh, Westwood, Lowton, Lunar, ETC. Oh God. Yeah, was, you, uh, you can't buy those players and stay in the Premier. You don't deserve that. They're good players, but you can't. You know, we. I think we're going on a bit of a tangent about Paul Lambert, but it it is relevant, I guess. But he has to be a factor. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Having said that, I don't think it's such a beating us. I mean, and and if they do beat us, then that is the most embarrassing defeat we will have ever had in the Championship. Oh, that's saying something, man. We've had some, we've had some hidings, but I have to agree. And that's, you know, I'm not going to sit here and do Ipswich down. I think they did make McCarthy dirty, but it looks a bit like they're kind of trying to build something now. It's not happening this season. Um, Freddie Sears, top scorer, uh, <laughs> Will Keane up front. You know, come on. There's one way they win this, and it's um, if we get done on the long haul because we can't defend it. And uh, I'm not going to sit here and you know hold elitism or act like the big club, but uh, there's you know with Villa situation they need to win this they really do. And this is one match I, I look at and I'm thinking, how can Villa lose this? How can they lose it? 
Yeah, it would take some massive defensive errors, wouldn't it? It would take it would take a dodgy ball into the box. Will Keane somehow stumbles his head onto the ball and Chester, Elphick, Taylor, Hutt, and one of them gets a dodgy deflection on it. Kalinic lets it bobble in. That's that's the only way I can see it happening. Yeah, Villa would that, have to be mugged for this. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. It would have to. You'd have to be leaving me in my seat, going, "How, how on earth did that go in?" I hate to be overconfident. I was very. I think I was overconfident of the Wigan game, and they brought it. But I just think that Ipswich lack, uh, lack that. I don't know. I just, I just, there's, there's no Gile in that team. It really isn't, and I don't think they're a team with much of a purpose at the moment. But we'll see. We'll see. Maybe Paul Lambert's changed their attitude a bit. As you say, did Mick McCarthy dirty last season? Look, they've looked confused this season more than anything. Um, yeah, I, I've got to give this as a Villa win. You said one nil. I'm going to say two nil to Villa. Also a fair, fair reflection. Sometimes when Villa score goals, they do end up scoring more of them. Uh, uh, that's that's one thing I will say with us. So. We've got a few minutes left. Um, let's return to a conversation I've seen a lot on Twitter. Um, there's kind of a lot of doubt creeping out. I mean, this is social media, so it's got absolutely nothing to do with it. Not a lot to do with real life. But um, I've seen a number of comments from quite prominent Villa accounts kind of against Dean Smith already. Now, with them, just chill out, bro. Just chill out. What are you doing? I, I get that we're in a bad position, but take a step away from the computer. You've got, an, you've got an unbalanced Villa side. It's like, I hate doing the football manager in real life thing, but I have never, ever had fun taking over a team halfway through a season. Like, football, you know, when it's the January transfer window's gone. Yeah. You're tanking. You're bottom of the league because some dickhead manager on the computer's messed up and you've got to fix it. Nah, that's not it's fun. Better. It <laughs> yeah, don't work. Exactly. Yeah. It don't work. And uh, I think real life, you know, you've got to overturn, you know, a massive club paying loads of wages out to players who aren't performing. That's a rubbish situation. That is a Wait, terrible we're... situation. We're left in a state. We're left in a state. And the only way we can solve it is by backing him, genuinely. Uh, and I'm not I'm not going to sit here and... You know what? You can criticise Dean Smith. Absolutely, right? Every manager is deserving of criticism. Do it, man. Yeah, you know, Villa, the team go out and play badly like they have done in the last few weeks, criticise them. But what you've got to look at is, is the club trying to solve it or is the club making illogical decisions? On the pitch might be one thing. The players aren't necessarily pulling their weight as much as they were a couple of, you know, a few weeks ago. But quite clearly, the club are trying to solve, you know, the, the wider situation. You've got to not look at it you know, on the surface, do you know what I mean? You, you've got to, you've got to look a little bit further beyond that. It's the, the running of Aston Villa and, and the management that Dean Smith is trying to um, uh, is trying to put out there goes beyond the pitch, and you have to remember that we've got to be thinking long term because we've been thinking short term, short term, short term for years, and uh, I like the fact that. That Dean's come in and he's he's trying to trying to blood through the youngsters. You know, he's 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 getting rid of the some of the bad eggs and just saying, look, we need to we need to let Andre Green we need to let uh, some of the other young players breathe a little bit and get them into the team. Yeah, I completely agree. I think 
there's a plan at Villa, regardless of who the manager is. There is an actual plan now, or it looks like it. They've given the impression that there's a plan. So regardless of whether Dean Smith's here in 2022 or not, I think Villa will still be striving to make the same decisions regardless of who the head coach or manager is. Kind of like a Brentford, you know, or I'd say an Arsenal. There is a there is a structure in there that is not really going to change. You're going to bring in a manager. They're going to make the, some decisions, but they're not going to be in total control of transfers or any moves like Steve Bruce was. And that's what leaves you in a massively imbalanced situation when you have a manager who's almost like a dictator, not in the sense that they're evil, but they're in charge of every decision and their word goes. When you have that that level of you know management, that guy is vulnerable. The manager kind of was introduced to football to take a bullet for the board. Genuinely. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this is way back. The manager first come about to take a take it take it in the neck for the board because the board were in charge of decisions when football first come about. So the manager was brought into the public face to take a bullet for the board. They get sacked. Managers get sacked. Managers resign. Managers are temporary. You have to have the plan that's in place, and I believe that plan's in place. You don't sign McGinn, Al Ghazi, those kind of low cost players with high upside. You know, for unless you have a future plan. You don't say some players you can make money on. You know that doesn't happen. You 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 buy you or you loan people like Yannick Balassi, or you bank well on Tammy Abraham. And thank God Abraham's worked. Balassi yeah, didn't really, did it? I don't think it did. I, I mean, we needed it. We did need it. We did need a winger, and I think he did save us a few times. But you know, part of that was because El Ghazi wasn't getting along with Steve Bruce, and uh, Albert Adoma just wasn't quite cutting it. Uh, I think. Yeah, you're right. Like, an interesting point that you know, selling players and you know for 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 less than they're worth, and then bringing in players for more than they're worth. <laughs> it's been a it's been a it's been a serious thing. I mean, one of the prime examples I look at is Adama Traore. As soon as we got dropped down to the championship, basically threw away money there. Threw away money, man. Absolutely threw it away. We've done it. We've done it before with other young players as well. You look at that, Daniel Johnsons and 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 Jordan Graham's and. You know, other players who have, have done well in the championship. Villa have, have, have thrown away so much money, you know, uh, and you talk about, you know, the board not putting in money or whatever, or the, or the managers um, struggling to make signings because Villa don't have enough funds. And it's like, well, it's been poor transfer business for years. Poor transfer business for years. We've been held to ransom by clubs, you know, to the point where we have to pay a little bit over the odds. We never seem to be the, the team doing it. I think the the one time I've seen Villa do it in the last few years, Jack Grealish in the summer, and that was lucky because we got new owners in right at that point. Uh, and and you're right, it just needs to be more sustainable. If Andre Green doesn't make it at Villa, we 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 make sure he does well enough that you know we're able to sell him on for five or six billion. Do you know what I mean? I think this this is this is where we need to this is where we need to start improving in the future. Yeah, I think decisions are made regardless of Dean Smith. I think he's involved in them, but not to the extent Steve Bruce was. And Steve Bruce made some good decisions. Snodgrass alone, fantastic. Fantastic decision. He worked. The Blassi alone tried to re- replicate the Snodgrass one. It didn't work. But uh, for every good decision, there's a bad decision, and that should be on the club rather than the manager. The club has to make those decisions as a whole, as a holistic unit. And the manager is a part of that process, but you can't be the be-all and end-all. Um, what I see Dean Smith doing 
is not necessarily implementing his own vision, but implementing Aston Villa's vision. And that's going to take time. Yeah, he also has the seal of approval from uh, from Howard Hodgson, doesn't he? Of course. And, uh, and that... <laughs> you know, our resident fans financial expert. <laughs> yeah, so knowing that stuff like that goes a long way, though. And there's a lot of people commenting that Dean Smith, oh, he, cut, he trots out that I'm a Villa fan line. But what I don't see what's wrong with that. If he is a Villa fan, he clearly isn't happy. He clearly don't like it. So I don't see the criticism of Dean Smith. A lot of it is weighted in frustration. Yeah, I mean, hundred percent. Look, if we're in this point next, this time next season, then I think we can validate or legitimize. I can't even say, and um, validate those opinions. But uh, not now, man. Not now. Five months. Pff, come on. This isn't us bringing in Tim Sherwood to get us out of the mines. It's not. That's not what this is. This is. This is. Dean Smith was always brought in on a long term. And yeah, you know what? We get frustrated. We get angry during matches. I get angry. You know, most of my anger is directed toward the players, though, rather than Dean Smith, because we've seen, we've seen, Dean Smith's probably laying out the same system he was you know, a month ago. <laughs> the players were fine then, weren't they? So it, 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 when it comes down to it, a lot of the time it's the players on the pitch. I think when it got to Steve Bruce, it, it did get to a point where it was like, listen, you've clearly got better players on the bench there that should be doing things. You've clearly got... Uh, players playing out of position. With Dean Smith over here, I think he's trying to do the right thing. I think it's just an attitude thing and I think that the culture at the club needs to change and that will change in the long term. Well, here's hoping, mate. Um, you can find him at Raza Jerna, I believe, on Twitter. You can find me at Jamie Rushton and we'll see you, hopefully, when Villa turn this run around, our form around, against Ipswich, against Paul Lambert's Ipswich, no less. And so if we lose... And if we lose, I'm not coming back on the Hulkcast. I'm retiring from really? the podcast. No, not really. Oh, good. Make, make I can't, I can't though, do this without you, man. Makes it a bit spicy now. Thanks for spicing that up. <laughs> what's it called? Is it what's in, in wrestling? Is it the I quit? What is it when you have to retire when you lose? Yeah, you've got an I quit match and you've got a, you've got a loser, loser leaves match. So I, I see Ipswich coming into this match like CM Punk taking the the bout in Chicago and running home. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's, that's 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 Ipswich and Paul Lambert taking your uh, your mic from you, running home. <laughs> but uh, I digress. I think that's enough from us this week. We'll see you next week after Villa hopefully beat Hall. So uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon, guys. Goodbye.